Welcome to Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by SEO Samba, comprehensive high-performing marketing solutions for mature and emerging franchise brands. To supercharge your franchise marketing, go to seosamba.com. That's S-E-O-S-A-M-B-A dot com. Lee, this is going to be a fantastic segment. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast CEO with a place at home, which is Senior Focus Care, Mr. Dustin DeStefano. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Well, Dustin, before we get too far into things, can you tell us a little bit about a place at home? How are you serving folks? Yeah, so what we do is we do private duty in-home care. Um, but the reason we call it senior focused care as opposed to the norm in-home care or senior care is that we have more more services that we offer other than in-home care. We really wanted to be a consulting, uh, more of a con- consultative company to seniors, starting with in-home care, helping them transition uh, into, say, assisted livings or other senior living communities, helping them transition from hospital. We actually have a nurse on staff who coordinates them all the way back from a hospitalization uh, into maybe a long-term care rehab or a short-term, I'm sorry, a short-term care rehab. Uh, back to home, and we're there every step of the way. So it's not just a in-home care; it's more of, a, I would say, consult uh, consultative service, and that's why we call it senior focused care because we focused on the well-being of the senior and help them uh, through all facets of uh, a- the aging process, really. So now, how did you get into this business? Um, so I got into this. I, I started my career with enterprise uh, car rental way back in the 2000, 2010s era. Um, and then I had some things happening with, with my great grandmother who passed away at the age of uh, 102. Wow. Um, that's good, yeah, good genes yeah. there, man. <laughs> yeah. Congrats. Well, for, for the females, you know, I have two great grandmothers <laughs> who were 102, but all the men died in their sixties. So, uh, I'm on the other side of the coin. I'm trying to break that trend, I guess. Um, so, but yeah, so she had some things she had to move. She was in rural town, America. She had a choice to make. Uh, do I move out of my home into that local nursing home that services, you know, multiple communities, 30 miles, 40 miles away in rural town, Iowa. Um, and she chose to stay there. Uh, the other option was to move to Des Moines or Omaha where she could be around family and get a small apartment and get in-home care, but there wasn't in-home care available in small town, uh, small town, Iowa. So when she moved in, I mean, this gal was sharp as a tack. She just, it wasn't safe for her to be alone. I mean, she smoked until she was 90 some odd years old. And, you know, she was just an anomaly of a human being. And uh, when she moved, I mean, she was just very stubborn. She would run away and a lot of things happened. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to be home. That's the short end of the the story. And, uh, you know, my passion is to try to find that rural solution, but um, it's, it's, it's kind of a hard nut to crack, but that is my, that's my passion overall, but that's what got me looking into home care. And then fast forward, I met my partner, Jared, who I've known since fourth grade, and he had some things happening with him and just took it from there and ran with it. So now in the initial, um, business, was it difficult to, um, for this person in this local market, how, what are their choices? Like if there's not family there, there's not a lot of choices, right? No, I mean that's how rural America. I, I, I uh, Stone had mentioned he was down in Atlanta. So think if you go out into the the backwoods of Atlanta, in the middle of nowhere, and you have a ninety year old, and all their family moves to say Atlanta or Florida or gone, 
you're going to have a, a nursing home that services like 50 miles. Like people come from, you know, so-and-so over to here and so-and-so into this one spot. Um, that was her option. And the, and, and the sad thing was the, the nursing home that she moved into was literally, I kid you not, right behind her house. So that's why she would run away. She would get out and she would go to her house. Well, it just, her house got sold to the state. So she went on Medicaid. Uh, it was just a really sad situation to see. Um, and that's what a lot of people face in rural America. I mean, it's a hard thing to solve um, just because of the resources of employees and caregivers. And then, so your solution is what there does someone come in and stay with them for so many hours of the day? Like what is the interaction with the senior? Yeah. So our, our so we can provide anywhere from three hours to, to 24 seven care. I mean, we put CNA certified nursing assistants in the home. We put home health aides and it's called in some States or personal care attendants in other States. And we're really there to maintain safety and dignity and independence at home. You know, a lot of people, you know, if you're a survey, nine out of 10 seniors would more than likely say they want to age in place and that's their house. Uh, so we provide that service to make that possible. And that and that's an important consideration, right? It's it's more affordable, isn't it, to age at home than it is to go into one of these assisted living or these kind of more, uh, you know, where you're taking them somewhere out of their element and then they're having a lot of infrastructure and care in that other place. So that's a great question. Um, that's actually what kind of grew us into being more of a senior focused care to do what's the best for them. So yes, home care always is, it can be the most affordable way of care, but there are times where home care can be the most expensive. Just to give you the high end of the spectrum, if you were to do 24 seven care leave for 30 days, one month of 24 seven care, you're looking at 15 to $17,000 for that month. Ouch. Um, that's one-on-one -on -one care, 24 hours a day, someone there with you. So, you know, when you get those cases, you have to look at other options because, you know, two, two to 3% of America can afford that. Right. Right. Um, and so what we would do is we would say, all right, what, what are your goals as a senior? My goal is to stay at my home as long as possible. Okay. Well, where's the break even, right? Where, where are you spending where assisted living? If your budget was say $5,000 a month for in-home care, when are you going to run out of money? Right. And if they say five to six years, OK, we can do that. But we need to have a backup plan to get you into a into maybe an assisted living uh, in three to four years, because Medicaid can come in and cover that services. It can cover in-home services as well. But if you deplete all your assets, we're private. We're primarily a private pay business. So we don't want to deplete all your assets and all your funds in home. We got to set you up with a plan so that you make the right decisions for you. That's kind of how everything evolved over my first couple of years, me and Jared's first couple of years of doing this is we wanted to not just focus on keeping them at home. We wanted to do what was best for them. And so we really kind of write a business. I like to say we like we basically write a business plan and say, what it, what are your goals? How long how long can this sustain? And what what route should we go in the next couple to three years? So you're so looking that's, at that's it more holistically over their lifetime, not just the amount of time you spent with them just doing the home part. Yeah, exactly. That's why we want to be more, uh, more of a consult, uh, consultative service. Right. And then let's, let's the relationship, do it right. And that way the relationship kind of expands for a longer period. Mm -hmm, exactly. So now, um, at what point did you decide, Hey, franchising might be the best route for this business? You know, it's it, it, me and Jared actually had a, uh, 
you know, we've been friends since fourth grade. This is kind of where we, we butted heads a little bit. Um, you know, do we do a private or do we do franchising? And ultimately we landed on franchising, not because, you know, that's kind of the common in this industry. You see a lot of franchises that do this, but because we, what we found is it's the ownership piece, right? It's, it's giving the ability for someone to own this business. And then when the, when the consumer or the client or the the senior comes to you looking for services, you have the ability to say, I own your care. I'm not a hired manager. I am in charge of your care. Like, what what we do affects not only you, Mrs. Smith, it affects my business. And that's why we really like franchising because uh Lee, if we were, if you were to interview me for your mother, right, and I'm the owner, right? I'm coming out and I, I, I say, hey, we're gonna take care of you 24-7 hours a day. I'm available for you. If you need anything, call me. I own this, versus someone who says, Well, I'm the executive director. Um, I've been in hit this job, this job, this job, and they run the risk of being gone in a year or two years from now. Which one are you more likely to go with as a consumer? Right. You want that person that, that, invested. So all of our um, incentives are aligned. Exactly. So that's why franchising was kind of the, the route we wanted to go. So now that being the case, and you want that personal involvement, is the franchisee more of an owner operator or is this something that somebody can own a bunch of them? So we look for owner operator owner operators, but you can own and operate to a point, right? So just like what I did and Jared did with our first location, we operated that for two to three years and then got, then we hired an executive director. We built the foundation. People knew who Jared and myself were in the Omaha location. They knew the, the the foundation that we built. So then we plugged. We 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 hired an executive director. Her name's Chris. She runs that location, and we're completely absentee doing franchising now. So the the model that we you could own a couple of them. Absolutely, you would start the first one. We want you to build that foundation. Then you could build a second location and another location. You can be more of that area manager or area developer or area owner. Where then you know the model now. You've completely taught yourself how to do it. And then you can run three locations using us, the franchisor, as your support. We offer services for franchisees where we'll train your manager. They can come up to Omaha or I, we can fly down there and train them as well. So they can utilize the partnership of franchise or franchisee to really make that possible in the future. But we would want them to run the first one for a couple of years to make sure that it's that their foundation is set. So now how many franchises do you have right now? Uh, currently, we have 10 locations nationwide, and, and we uh, are working on a few more right as we speak. Now, what is the, like you mentioned, the ideal candidate is maybe starts as an owner-operator. What is there certain personality traits or certain characteristics that somebody kind of looks like, okay, this might be the one, or are there certain red flags that you're like, oh, well, this is not going to be a fit? Yeah, you have to be highly organized. Um, you have to be able to... You have to manage, uh, well, take a step back. The number one person we need to, we need to find is someone who has a passion to do this. That's, that's probably the, that's hands down the number one reason you get into this business is because you have a passion to want to help pe- people. That's number one. Number two is you got to be able to manage or you got to, and sell because you got to, we're, we're like a recruiting agency. Right. And it's a two folded sales process. You're selling caregivers because there's so there's competition out there. You have to be able to sell caregivers why they work for you. And then you have to manage them properly and build that culture that we teach you how to build so that they stay with you. Right. Our retention in this industry is horrible and healthcare in general is terrible. 
but in home, in home care, it's pretty bad as well. So we have to really focus in on that. So you have to have that management skill. And then in addition, you have to have that relationship building skill, sales. You have to go out and be highly active in your community. You have to go out and build relationships. You have to go out and, and, and knock down doors and not be, not be scared to be told no. Right. I mean, when I first started it, I, I was 28 years old. Right? I mean, I, I, and going into a predominantly 80 to 90 year old field trying to sell to seniors why I'm the best business to take, why I'm the best owner to take care of. And I'm 28, you know, right. um, you, you have to be able to gain trust and you have to be able to build relationships with your client and community. That's, that's the number two. And then the number three is you got to be very strict with yourself as an operator. Right. This is a touchy Philly business. You're going to feel bad. There's going to be times where you have to say, Hey, you know, you owe us $15,000 in care. Like you do 24 seven care. They owe you 50. That's like a car. Right. right? And then you're paying, you're paying payroll on that. That's seven to $8,000 of payroll that you're paying on that. So you have to be able to be, you have to be able to collect and manage those receivables and manage your, your operation. So, So those are the top ones by far. Do you find that the people that are drawn to this industry are like you that had some personal kind of experience where the grandparent or, or a parent, an aging a parent, a grandparent? Yeah, I see it all the time. I mean, that's like the number one thing that I ask and Jared asks when he's doing uh, his, his calls with, with prospects is, why do you want to do this? Right. And we're looking for that story because you got to be able to re- relate to your to the what the senior is going through and if you can relate to almost that every situation is different but if you have a story to be able to relate to it, it your your chances of uh, building that and getting those clients on service is a lot higher now um when you're doing this kind of work it must be really rewarding in a lot of ways that you're getting a lot of kind of appreciation from the family do you spend a lot of time with the family as well as the senior oh absolutely i mean the person that we uh sell to typically is the the adult child um you start there and then move on to the next stage they're like the gatekeeper i would Mm. say of of mom or dad because that's a generation i mean it's one of the best generations of all time right they built the they built america to where it is you know and they're very very in lights of a better term stubborn you know they've lived through wars they've lived through turmoil they've lived through so many they've had to learn how to manage their money and when you talk about services like that, they're very independent. Um, so, so you have to build that relationship with the family and then they make that intro over to mom and dad. And then you have to build that trust with mom or dad. Now, so um, it seems like you have a good handle on what the ideal candidate looks like. How do you go about kind of finding them and attracting them to your offering as opposed to, like you mentioned, there's a lot of competitors out there. Uh. You know, we we really try and recruit franchise owners um, through through different marketing avenues. You know, LinkedIn's a big one. Um, I try and I try we try and market through there using some of their functionalities. Um, we're trying to find the owners that we want, as opposed to a lot of you know, like paid. We we do pay like paid leads uh, and stuff like that. Um, but we really want to try and go out and find the people that we're looking for, and we do that through SEO. Uh, we do that through recruiting and social media, um, and it's worked out well. Well, to this point, we're we're looking at other new avenues. A lot of videos. We do a lot of videos out there on the websites uh, for us of owners, and we really use our people, our franchise owners, as marketers 
um, because those are the people they want to talk to. And then um, when a person says, okay, I'm interested, is there, um, you have a good training system and onboarding system to get them up and running? Oh, absolutely. I think if you were to ask our franchise owners, what's the number one thing they like about us is we are extremely detailed, right? We are, we, for onboarding, we use a function called Asana and it's literally a, a communication platform where we can, we can, we, it's, it's all laid out. You have to do this before you can do this. It makes Gantt charts and it really keeps them streamlining all the way through. Uh, you can also communicate through the platform. If they have questions, they can send a message that emails us those questions. We can answer them and get them going. So that's that initial onboarding. Then they come to Omaha for, for a full week. And we're actually talking about extending this even further uh, to maybe two weeks in the near future. Uh, and we put them through the entire process from point A to marketing, to point B to billing and payroll, to bringing on clients, to recruiting. And then on that last day of training, we literally have them do the entire process uh, in terms of role plays, um, signing clients, how to market, what conversations to have with different referral sources. And I mean, that's why we were actually talking about extending it to two weeks because we actually almost run out of time um, to get all that in. Uh, because there's always a lot of questions and our, our, our training classes are growing by the, I think last training, we had like six, four owners, uh, in it. And, you know, being a smaller emerging brand, I mean, that was a lot of work. And we, we found out if we really want to get, grow this company, we have to be prepared to adapt our training. Um, in addition to that, we go out in their first 90 days. We're not usually going to go out in their first 30 or 60. We want to get them to go in and, and go full tilt and get their feet wet. And then, um, we go out there in their first, like example, I went to Little Rock last week. I went out and listened to the conversations she's having. I got to learn about Little Rock. I got to see what she was saying. I got to give her feedback. And she really found that as valuable. Um, so that's, it's a very, very in-depth process of onboarding, launching, and then executing. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you in part by the Business Radio X Studio Partner Program, helping franchisees dominate their local market. To learn more about serving your market and growing your business, go to mybrxstudio.com. Dustin Stone-Payton here. I've been listening into your conversation. You were sharing with Lee and our listeners some of the vehicles that you use as a franchisor to get the word out about your opportunity. I'd be curious to learn a little bit about what have you found to be some of the best marketing vehicles for the franchisees to market their services? Yes. Yeah, so we actually have a project working right now um, on SEO and optimization. So when we built our websites, we did a placehome.com and we made everyone, I think it's called a sub, it might be something different, but it's essentially a sub site. Um, and then we we put, we're, we put those in every single market and drive SEO through, through Google AdWords. We make them, uh, claim their business on Google My Business. They do a lot of videos that we push out there because video's king right now. Everyone wants to see see those, um, you know, without spending probably an hour to two hours explaining every every strategy we do on that. But it's really driving those individual sites. Like NEO01 is our Omaha site, so we put a budget behind the Omaha site to drive traffic there, and then our Franchise owners in Scottsdale, AZ0006, would be driving there. But they're all connected to a place home.com, so it's having a, a big impact on, all, on, on the overall brand site. 
I would think that potential franchisees find that kind of depth and breadth of marketing capability. They must find that very attractive. Yeah, they did. You know, when we we started it, we actually made their individual sites. So like we would do a place at home, Scottsdale.com. Well, after about three onboardings and the budgets that kept growing because they're individualized, it, it, mm. it, it was the budget was spread way, way too thin and the bang for the buck was way wasn't where we wanted it to be. So that's why we brought them all home, brought them all in so that we can really drive the brand nationwide. Now, what are some of the misconceptions a potential franchisee has, um, you know, going in? Because this is probably the first time that they're in this type of work, right? Aren't they typically coming from either working somewhere else or maybe they got laid off and they're retired or something? And this is kind of a second act for a lot of people. So what are some of the misconceptions they have about this specific franchise? Um, oh, Misconceptions. I would say... Yeah, the biggest misconception of people coming into this is that they don't have, I guess what I've found is just talking to prospects who didn't make it, um, cause we weeded it out was they, the owner operator thing, thinking they could come in and do this part time and it would just drive itself. You know, this isn't a restaurant, right? I'm just not going to pop. If I'm, if, if I saw a new restaurant, I might try it once. If it's poorly ran or the food's not good, I'm not going to go back, but I would try it once. Right. Right. Um, it with with this it's it's a service industry and you have to be found you have to go out and market and you have to pound pavement just like a, a pharmaceutical rep would do for example in hospitals to, to sell drugs to them and get you know you got to go out and you you got to pound pavement and for those who come in thinking oh i can do this part time and keep my other job this just doesn't work and and we we hone in on that i mean those are our expectations like what is your plan with this other job um, and it usually weeds, weeds people out that way, but that's probably the biggest misconception. I think of fran, not even this industry, franchising as a whole. I mean, there's things that advertise owner op or absentee ownership, right? But how well is that going to do compared to someone who's actually actively running that fitness brand or other home care brand? Right. Um, they got to be kind of mentally so, all in, right? Like they can't just kind of dilute their attention yeah. and their efforts. If they want to really exactly. make a go at something like this. Exactly. I mean, it might work in other brands and some other things, but I it's just not, not in this industry. Not, not a chance. So now what does success look like for an owner, you know, maybe first year, two year, three year, like what, what can they expect? I know don't give me an exact number, but just kind of an idea of what, what you define success as. I would define success as you gaining your initial investment back within your first year, uh, going into year two, minus your franchise fee. I always tell people your franchise fee is an asset. You'll make that back when you sell the business. But all the expenses that you put into it, all your furnitures, fixtures, equipment, all that stuff that you put into it, you know, in our item uh, seven, you're looking at an initial investment anywhere between seventy and one hundred eighty thousand dollars. Uh, that includes the franchise fee, so take that out of that equation and take that down to maybe like uh, I would say forty thousand to one hundred and ten, one twenty. You know, if we can get that back and you paying yourself within probably six to seven months, that's a success. Yeah, and it's it's it, and it's been happening. I mean, that's that's the thing. This is a uh, even if I had two hundred locations, you're opening a new location. Um, 
it, it you're not unless you were to buy a pre-existing business for five to five hundred to a million dollars, you know that that that's fine. That's turnkey. You go in and start operating it. But most of these people are wanting lower lower investment opportunities, and that's where you it's, it gets into more of a startup mode like this. So your first year is your foundation piece. Now tell us what it's like when you sold that first one. What was that like in the office? Man, I about I about fell out of my chair. Actually, <laughs> uh, they signed the day they came to D Day. Um, that was Grace and George out in Colorado. You know, we hit the pay. You know, I'm I'm a pretty good sales guy, I would say, and a good and so is Jared. And going into franchising, I was like, man, we're gonna go out, we're gonna kill it. This is what we're gonna do our first year, and it took us six months. Uh, to get our first one. And we, we, we kissed a lot. I'd say we kissed a lot of frogs. Um, and we talked to anybody and everybody who would listen to us at that time. Um, and it was disheartening, you know, kind of, you know, we, we looked at each other and said, what are we doing wrong? And it just, it's hard. You know, I, I look at it now and I say, man, it, it is hard to get someone to buy into you for that first one. So when we got Grace and George, you know, it was like, I wouldn't say it was like, it was like like Christmas. It was more like, uh, man, someone believed in us, you know? Right. And now they're doing well. And and then someone else came on and they're doing well. And like our Arizona guy, I mean, our Arizona guy is killing it in a, in a market that's 300, over 300 home care agencies. This dude is, is doing good things down there. Um, and just seeing everyone coming in and believing to what we built, you know, that's, that's probably been the most rewarding thing. It's something I take pride in every single day when I come to work, come to the office. I'm like, how can I help these people who bought in? Um, so that's kind of my role as the CEO now. Well, it's important, um, work that you're doing and we appreciate you doing the work and especially giving other people this opportunity to go and serve their local community. And it's an underserved community, like you said, in these smaller towns, especially where there's not a lot of mm-hmm. options for them. If somebody wanted to learn more and have a more substantive conversation about uh, a place at home, uh, what is the best place for them to go to learn more about the franchise and the business? Yeah, they want to go to our franchise uh, website. It's a place at home franchise.com. They can rec- they can request. They, there's multiple links that say inquire now. Go ahead and click that and fill out a form. And Jared, who, who's our president and runs franchise development, he'll he'll be in touch. Uh, you can also call us directly at 888-502-6310. Um, and one of our team members will get, get you answered and get you over to him. And he runs that. And the rest of the team is focused on on the brand and the other people. All right. Well, until next time, this is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor. Our guest today, Dustin Stefano, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Franchise Marketing Radio.